Hey, Rachel. Hi, Brian. So how was your week? Well, I'm increasingly anxious that there's this spike in crime. Wait, I thought crime went down because, like, nobody's on the streets. Well, haven't you heard? It's the biggest crime in American history by far. Oh, God, again? Yeah, what is what is it this time? I you know what it too. is. You know what it is. I don't know what it is. It's a disgrace that it happened. And if you look at what's gone on... And if you look at it now, all of this information that's being released, these terrible things have happened. They should have never been allowed to happen in our country. Everyone's talking about it, except for the people who listen to your podcast. Well, there you go. Let's uh, let's have a podcast, shall we? we? We shall. And let's not talk about that. This is Nope. <laughs> the podcast where we shut it down. My name is no, my sign is no, my number is no. You need to let it go. You need to let it go. Need to let it go. Okay, Rachel, um, we have so much going on in our personal lives this week. It's incredible what there's uh, Zoom cocktails and more Zoom cocktails, and that's kind of it. And like unloading and reloading the dishwasher. That's basically half my day. That's so much fun. But uh, I've been reaching out to some old friends and talking to them. It's been nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a, a little story to share. <laughs> so, <laughs> so after watching Trump um, melt down at that press conference on Monday when he was talking about this like Obamagate thing, whatever that is. You mean the the one you just imitated? The one I just <laughs> talked about, the worst crime in American history that like he can't even say what it is. Um, I couldn't help but wonder. Um, I feel like Carrie Bradshaw right now. I couldn't help but wonder. <laughs> Are all men really just women in disguise? <laughs> but I, I just I was wondering, like, how could anybody still support this president? Like, I, it was a mystery. So, as you know, I don't really know anybody in my immediate circle who voted for him, but there are these two people, this couple, that used to live in our building, and Josh and I were good friends with them. I'm not going to name them, but you've met them before. And when they first mentioned they were voting for Trump, I, I thought that they were joking, but they were not joking. And so since the election, for obvious reasons, we've grown apart, but they still reach out. <laughs> it's not, it's not a gra- it wasn't a gradual growing as kind of like- a schism, like on the day of yes. it was over. But like... I mean, nothing, we didn't have any sort of big argument. I was just kind of like, I'm running the other direction. But um, they still reach out occasionally to say things like Happy Mother's Day, which they did on Sunday. And I woke up on Tuesday um, and I realized that I hadn't responded to their text. And I guess you could say that curiosity and frustration and (laughs) mystery got the best of me and I couldn't help myself. So I texted them back saying, guys... I know this may be an uncomfortable question, but do you still support this president? So this was my response to them saying happy Mother's Mother's Day. Day. (laughs) I just like had to know. And so that was Tuesday. And um, they still have not responded, leading me to believe that they do, in fact. Yes, they do. Um, I mean, what were you expecting them to answer? I don't know. Well, I mean, I just... You were hoping. You were hoping. Uh, this is the thing. The people with whom I'm casually acquainted, who I either know or suspect supported Trump, every time something even worse happens, I keep hoping for some redemption. I keep hoping like this person cannot possibly still support Trump. And yet to a person, they do. 
They do. And I I just, maybe I thought there could be some kind of dialogue or, I don't know, I'm ready to step in the ring. Like, what else do I have going on? I will not appease. I will not appease. Yeah. (laughs) I have have something much more interesting (laughs) that happened to me this week. So um, this goes without saying, you remember my uh, 30th birthday party, right? Of course, yes. Yeah. It was, uh, I was living in D.C. We were both living in D.C. at the time, and it was at the In It. In it, little Washington. It was epic, epic evening. It was amazing. Epic tasting menu. It's one of the best restaurants, three star Michelin restaurant, I think. Yeah. Um, in the middle of the countryside, uh, in outside Washington D.C. And um, I've never been back. I really wanted to. And in fact, it was on my mind that after the COVID, you know, quarantine lifts, that might be someplace I would make a special occasion to go. Plus, my fiftieth birthday is coming up, and I thought maybe not have a big party, but maybe I would find a way to go dine there. Very right. hard to get a reservation for. Yes, right. like just that's the first place you would go after right. the quarantine is lifted. <laughs> <laughs> right, a thousand dollar prefix <laughs> dinner in the countryside of Watton, Virginia. So um, I, uh, I I was thinking about it, and then I saw this article, um, and it turns out that they are getting ready to reopen um, as soon as Virginia reopens, and they have to have outdoor seating, which I think for the summer is delightful and ingenious way to sort of slowly ease into the restaurant world again. Agree, agree. But then it turns out, because they're very creative, that even though you sit outside, they are going to fill the dining room with mannequins dressed in 1940s costumes who are going to be wearing Marilyn Monroe masks and, get this, George Washington chins. So I have a lot of questions. Like four questions. (laughs) It's like Passover, the four questions. Go ahead. Okay, I guess my first question is why 1940s costumes? Is the they restaurant could have picked part, any, any era? Why not 1970s? No, there is no <laughs> reference to the 1940s. It, I'm sure it feel I it opened in the 80s, I'm guessing. Yeah, like, why not 80s? Like have like um mirrors <laughs> neon, with like neon fake leg cocaine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, my first question is why do they have to have anything in the dining room at all at if all? you're all sitting yes. outside? Right. I think the chef, if I recall from our party, the chef likes to walk you through and like show you the kitchen. That's part of the whole. What's his name? O'Connell, right? Patrick. Patrick O'Connell. Yeah. Yeah. Patrick O'Connell. Yeah. So, okay. So that was one question. (laughs) Let me guess. The next one's about the Marilyn Monroe mask. Yes. Why Marilyn Monroe masks? And why? Who is not not from the 1940s. (laughs) No, it's an anachronism. It's a blooper. <laughs> it's a, what do they call that in movies when they have the wrong time Anachronism. Frame? That's like the word in the world for it. There's some specialty movie wor- world for, oh, I don't word know. for it. Okay. And then the worst thing is why – first of all, what is a George Washington chin? He does not have a distinctive chin. So are they and okay and are they manufacturing these mannequins specifically <laughs> for this purpose? <laughs> Screw producing PPE. Who's styling <laughs> the mannequins? Like, I don't know. <laughs> where are they getting the clothes? Don't they have enough problems that they have to like deal with like styling 1940s mannequins? Like, what? Like people will be perfectly happy just to go to a restaurant if it's empty right now. Like, right. yes. Yes, They're guilting the know. lily. It's like too much. <laughs> this is a bridge too far. Like, if it was just the 40s mannequins and the Marilyn Monroe masks, I would be fine with it. But the George Washington chins, <laughs> God knows what they are. Why don't they just put in like 
Abraham Lincoln beards and like FDR wheelchairs. <laughs> like, right, you could dine with the presidents. Like they Rutherford B. Hayes beards. Like partner with the wax museum. Yes, Madame Tussauds is the perfect brand <laughs> synergy. <laughs> okay, so no to that. But um, also, then you sent me this. There's a restaurant in Germany in Schweran, Germany. Oh God, I it's the I cafe, cafe Conditore Rote. That was not a German accent or pronunciation. No, that was really one of your Where- worst. <laughs> I've mangled some foreign pronunciations before. That was really bad. Um, where they make people, even sitting outside, you know, like the swimming noodles? Like you, like the like foam kids, like The tubes. foam thing, right. Yeah. They tie them around your head <laughs> and they make you sit with them on your head so that it makes a six-foot circumference around you. Um, and that just seems inge- both cruel and ingenious. The problem is that it only blocks people at a certain height. What if someone is smaller than that? <laughs> you, to be this ride, you must be taller than yes. this line. You can what slip if under. Yeah. <laughs> or if you're a really good limbo dancer. You can just... <laughs> okay. No, no. Both can of we get to the solutions real... <laughs> are terrible. <laughs> They're suboptimal. They're suboptimal. At least okay, can we do are our... thinking creatively? But yeah, let's oh, wait, get into the b- notes. Before we do our real notes, I got to tease something. So last week, if you were listening, you realized that um, we had a bit. I don't, I don't even remember why we started talking about the song Gloria by Laura Branigan. Why did we start talking about that? I don't I know. Have no but then idea. we then your friends said that it's based on a song, an Italian song by Umberto Tazzi called oh, Gloria. Wait. Yes, the Esratis knew that. But didn't you were saying that your grandma Annie knew Laura Branigan, but then it no, was like No, she actually- knew Melissa Manchester. <laughs> 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 okay. Regardless, I have been obsessed with this song and this Italian artist over the last week, and I'm desperate to tell you all what I've learned, including watching the fucking incredibly insane video that they made in 1979 (laughs) for glory for for the original gloria however i realized that it that may not an extended discussion of that may not be to everybody's taste so we are moving it to the end (laughs) so if you are interested in learning more about the long saga of the the pop song gloria (laughs) then please please fast forward to probably like minute 37 and you will learn it is fascinating. More than you more ever than wanted you to know <laughs> about Gloria. Okay, can we move on to the real nopes now? Yes, We've been yes. riffing enough. Okay, this go is on. really for those of us who ask how much we script. This is what our real conversations are like. This is not. Um, this is unscripted. This is, this uh... is not an act, as you can tell. Okay, <laughs> so um, I came across this week this um, column in the New York Post, uh, the Washington Post. Sorry. About, you know, people are looking for comforting things and everybody's retreating into their, you know, uh, huga, huga habits. And this one woman, I feel, I'm sorry, I should credit the columnist, but I, I can't because I forgot and didn't write it down, about how comforting she's found it to watch reruns of Little House on the Prairie. Um, and how at one point in the, whatever, 15 years ago, she went to go buy the DVD set 
at a, a music store and they laughed at her, but how comforting she finds it to, to go back to the prairie in the 19th century. And of course, this sent me, just like Gloria, sent me down a wormhole about Little House on the Prairie. Laura Ingalls Wilder, yeah. Yes, yes. And I was like both a little too young and the wrong gender to appreciate it when it was on. But I remember it. It's definitely a, a placeholder it in the cultural... It was a cultural touchstone, for c- sure. It's part of our cultural co- collective cultural memory. And um, I went down a wormhole and I found an article from 2006 that this has deep roots of people now being obsessed with Little House on the Prairie. They called them bonnet heads, like deadheads. <laughs> But they wear bonnets, so it's. Um, do uh, they go to conventions or like are they? Is there <laughs> it's like, like Comic Con. Like is there like a booth con? Bonnet Con, Bon Con. <laughs> There's a lot of cosplay, <laughs> chopping wood. Okay, so um, so now it turns out. Having having gone down this hole, there is so much Little House material going on right now. So it turns out that there was an episode in 1975 of Little House on the Prairie, you don't know this, that predicted COVID-19. Really? Yes. There was an episode that was called Plague, where Laura's father, uh, played by Michael Landon, pa, Charles, Pa, pa yeah. Pa Paul Wilder. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a breakout of typhus in Walnut Grove, Minnesota, and he has to go away um, to leave the children so that they don't get infected and to go search for a cure somewhere else in Minnesota. And the girls are locked in the house, and it says they're going mad locked in the house. The kids are arguing about who gets to write on the slate tablet. And they're uh-huh. washing down the house with some kind of 19th century disinfectant. So wow. it's basically she's a uh, she's a sorceress, a soothsayer, a soothsayer. Yes, she she knows all. So it was ahead of its time, but now there are further cultural ramifications. It turns out that there has been a run on the market, not for pork, not for meat, but for butter churns. Um, <laughs> Everybody, last, everybody's last making month, their own baking. It's- baking bread was so April, <laughs> May. <laughs> it's churning butter. So uh, there's a store, Layman's in Kidron, Ohio, which is like a hardware appliance store, and they have gone to a hot commodity. They are sold out. Sales of the company's Daisy churn have increased two hundred and fifty percent. And it's $200, and it's completely sold out. And then there's smaller ones that people are settling for, but those are up threefold as well. And I then, want one. I, now I, I want one. You know, I actually, I actually made butter once. Did you know this? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not like I did something a, I you've did told a, me before. I, I did a one-day internship in the, in the kitchen of a fine dining restaurant in Washington, D.C. I guess I think it was called Equinox. And they, could, they, they had to give me the most idiot-proof task that I couldn't fuck up. So they, they make their own butter. So they had me make the butter. And it basically involves like pouring cream into a mixer and then like turning Just, it on and watching it become butter. So I succeeded. It was delicious. Science. It's, uh... <laughs> I was blinded with science. And then it's not just butter churns in the in the little house comeback. Candle making is making a comeback. There are these candle making kits that are $80 and they are being they are sold out as well. So it's the prairie lifestyle. We are reverting. We are skewing technology. We're and reverting. just pretending that 
you know, none of this exists. I like it. I Listen, I understand why it's happening. I understand the impulse for it. Yes, yes. However, I'm about to do a 180 on this. It turns out that Laura Ingalls Wilder, Laura Ingalls Wilder is a very controversial figure. She was removed from a book award list a few years ago, the ALCS, Association for Library Service for Children, because there are racist stereotypes of uh, Native Americans and African Americans that on the show. were in the books and probably on the show as well. Um, so all in all, like, it's nice that you have these like 19th century hobbies, but I guess find a non-racist prototype for it. Okay, sure. Yeah. But I I still want one of those butter churners. (laughs) You want to make your own butter? (laughs) I would like to, because I'm going to bake my own bread. And how satisfying would that be to bake your own bread and make your own butter? And have your own butter. You could grow your own bananas for banana bread. (laughs) (laughs) It'll only take 40 years for a banana tree yeah. to grow in the Hamptons. In the- <laughs> it's like a tree grows in Brooklyn. A banana, a banana tree, gro- tree grows in West Hampton. Nope. Absolutely nope. not. Just no. shut this down. Okay. You have an item that you put on the rundown here. I have no idea what it's about. Yeah, Tell me. So it's another house. I see it's another it's, house. It's another house. We've got all the houses covered. A plague on all of the houses. So you <laughs> talked about Little House. Um, I'm talking about Waffle House. Um, oh, I love Waffle. I love wa- it. So I love, I, I, I love Waffle House. It was trending on Twitter this week, like by a lot. You know, you see like the numbers and it, yeah. it was like in the lead. And whenever I see a business or a person trending on Twitter, <laughs> I assume it's because someone died or lately it's because the business is going belly up. And so I was very sad. Um, but it was none of those things. So let me tell you what happened. So there's a Reddit relationships community called Our Relationships. And there was a post from a woman in a relationship with a seemingly well-adjusted man. She said, her- <laughs> hey, well, well-adjusted? He adjusted from what? <laughs> so she says, he's a nice and caring person. He's gentle with animals and birds and even bugs. He's not aggressive at all. Um, <laughs> except, Schweitzer, like- except when he goes to Waffle House. <laughs> okay, so the girlfriend describes both of them as well-educated. They're established people. They make a decent combined income. They can afford to eat at other restaurants, but the boyfriend chooses Waffle House every time because he finds breakfast for dinner comforting. It reminds him of his mother. And so um, what's stranger is that even though there are many Waffle Houses to choose from, he always wants to go to this one particular one. And the girl is the girlfriend's easygoing. She says she doesn't mind. She's not so into food. Okay, we could. Okay. I am into food and I still love Waffle House. Right. Okay, so um, she said things became impossible once he and this cook at the Waffle House started chirping at each other every time <laughs> we went there. Wait, wait like, cheep, cheep, cheep. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what happened. <laughs> so the source of this dispute is eggs. Um, so the ma- the boyfriend likes his eggs a little runny, and the cook seems to intentionally cook the eggs wrong. <laughs> So, <laughs> like too much or too little? Like so, so he ordered them runny, and the cook made them hard. And then the boyfriend decided to complain, and the cook brought back scrambled eggs. Um, and so the boyfriend complained again, and the cook brought out two hard-boiled eggs. And the girlfriend thought that this was very funny, but the boyfriend was—it is, <laughs> is quite funny. <laughs> And the boyfriend was unable to laugh it off, so they left. But the following week, the boyfriend wanted to go to the Waffle House again. <laughs> wait, wait. After that experience, why did he – why did there are 10,000 Waffle Houses? Pick one where the 
chef doesn't hate you. <laughs> so the girlfriend suggested going to a different one to avoid the cook, but the boyfriend wanted to go back to the same one. So the cook comes back and gives him a hole in the wall egg at the center of a sli- of a slice of bread even though I love those but nobody asked for it's I bet. Now it's not what he ordered and this was a bridge too far so the boyfriend threw the eggs <laughs> at the where did you find this story? Oh, it's on the Reddit. It was a subreddit. Well, it was trending on Twitter because oh, it Twitter. went viral. So, so the boyfriend throws the eggs at the cook, and then the cook gets back from behind the counter and throws it back at him. And then he comes around, and they start wrestling in the middle of, of the Waffle House. Okay. And so then the next sentence has to be just read verbatim. Quote. Okay. And this is the crazy part. My boyfriend keeps going back and ordering eggs, and getting into fist fights with the same cook. It's almost a ritual. My boyfriend orders runny eggs, the cook serves him another version of the eggs, and then they beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> so she- We all need entertainment. We all need entertainment nowadays. If you could go out at all, might as well go combine your eggs with some fisticuffs. <laughs> It's exercise. We all, we all need exercise. Why have they not fired? Presumably there's a manager on site who sees the cook punching the customer who is rightly dissatisfied with the hostile miscooking of his egg, simple egg order. How is he still employed? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's entertaining. Maybe like maybe, maybe oh maybe business has picked up because everyone goes every morning to see the brawl. They can sell tickets. There's a line out the door. Yeah, I mean, maybe. it's a hard seat to get because you've seen those. They put the uh, the plastic bags over like every other seat, so you have to socially distance in there. No, but this happened before COVID. Oh, okay. So. so- my right. explanation is not not correct. No, it's worthless. No, it's, it's, she. So let me continue with the story. <laughs> <There's> so, <more. laughs> so she tries to talk to her boyfriend, and he won't listen. He said it's a matter of principle. Like he has to keep going back, and like the guy, the chef has to learn how to cook the eggs right. But the cook, meanwhile, has like he keeps learning how to like new ways to prepare eggs in order to <laughs> piss off the boyfriend. So like every and new time- ways and new ways to brawl. He's learning left jab, right jab. Yes. So like after this whole story, you may wonder like what is this woman seeking advice about? Like what does she really want people to help her with? It What's seems like ask? an open and What's shut case. Right? This guy is an insaniac. But no, the thing is they're getting married this summer. <laughs> Wait, they want to have it at the Waffle House. (laughs) (laughs) And she said. And they're having it catered. They're having it catered. And the menu is all eggs deviled eggs, hard boiled eggs. (laughs) Omelets. There'll be an omelet bar. Station. (laughs) That's actually a great idea to have a wedding at a Waffle House. But no, okay, so they're getting married. Yeah. So they're getting married. And um, they have not been to the Waffle House since the quarantine started, but they will likely go there as soon as they're free to roam. And what she's so concerned about is that this whole episode has revealed a side of her boyfriend that she didn't know existed. She says, how do I get him to open up? Is this indicative of something deeper? 
So is she rethinking getting married now? Is she going to be a runaway bride? <laughs> well, she's just worried that he was such a gentle soul, and now she's What sees... if she ever cooks his eggs wrong? I know. I mean, listen, I think that <laughs> there is a romance going on between these two men, between the cook oh, and Oh, yeah. The... Oh, it's going to be one of those things where they fight, and then like one minute later, they kiss. Like yeah. they're locked in a headlock and then they kiss. And I that's think the, that it's she's a rom-com. focused it's a rom-com. on the wrong issue. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see a picture of this cook to see if he's hot. I'd like I'm to see sure. pictures of both of them. <laughs> <I know. laughs> anyway, I don't know. I okay, just no, 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 please this. end this segment. <laughs> okay, nope. no. it was worth it though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, what do you, do you have? Do you have something else here? Um, yeah, you know, so this is insane. I was talking to my sister yesterday on uh, FaceTime, and she was like, I love what you and Brian had to say about this whole Chrissy, Teigen, Allison, Roman situation. I was like, pardon me, what are you talking about? She's like, oh, nope. You talked about it last week on Nope. And I was like, no, this whole situation did not even happen <laughs> she, until the weekend. She listening to The Daily or something? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't cover this. I was like, unless like Stephen Hawking taught me how to time travel or you're listening to like our podcast on an alternate universe, like we have not talked about this yet, but we're going to. Um, I don't know. I guess she had a dream that we talked about it. Um, she's a sorceress. She's our, she is our muse. She is our muse. Yes. So, Steph, um, we love you. Steph, we love you. Yes, we do. So um, so let me just take a step back and explain that during the quarantine, there's a recipe that has overtaken the internet. It is for the shallot pasta, and it's really delicious. It involves shallots and, this t- and tomato paste and anchovies and fresh parsley, and you basically make this delicious shallot jam and then mix it with pasta water, and it coats the pasta beautifully, and it's delicious. Yes, I made it. I made it for oh. Josh. It was one of the first meals I made him when he started getting his appetite back. It was delicious. And so the, uh, the author of this recipe is this woman. Allison Roman, who writes for the New York Times food section, and she has a best-selling cookbook called Nothing Fancy. And she's kind of like the epitome of like park slope, cloggy, cool lady, you know? Like She shops at the co-op, yeah. The, yeah, so like, you know, she's 34, single, stylish, but not overly done up. She's funny. Um, and she's not like this huge celebrity or anything. She lives alone in her third floor walk up in Brooklyn, and she made this terrible decision to give an interview to a website called New Consumer that I'd never heard of until last weekend. And she was totally unhinged. But like, who among us is not unhinged right now? You know, like, <laughs> just listen to this podcast. Our biggest we just talked about like- <laughs> Waffle House for 10 minutes. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and 10 minutes of Little House on the Prairie before that. So we're all unhinged. We're all unhinged. Um, but she really let loose. She stuck her foot so far into her mouth that it came out of her own asshole, um, like a human pretzel. And she she wound up what what people were freaking out about was that she fired shots like out of nowhere at Marie Kondo and Chrissy Teigen. Um, oh. Who like, doesn't love Marie Kondo, though? And Chrissy Teigen, right? So the, the interview went viral, and it got picked up in page six, the Daily Mail, People Magazine, CNN, and people were just, like, hating on her. And the thing is that, like, we were hungry for this because nobody has anything going on. It was, like, the perfect storm. It was like a pressure cooker, you know? Yeah. And so let me tell you, here's what she said about Marie Kondo. The context is that she's being asked if she's interested in creating a product line or some kind of brand extension. and 
She said the idea that when Marie Kondo decided to capitalize on her fame and make stuff you can buy, that is completely antithetical to everything she's ever taught you. I'm like, damn, bitch, you fucking just sold out immediately. Someone's like, you should make stuff. And she's like, okay, slap my name on it. I don't give a shit. So like, not great. But also, I can't say I didn't have a similar initial reaction when I heard that Marie Kondo, <clears throat> the queen of decluttering, was selling stuff, right? Like, it's yeah, kind of so funny, totally. right? No, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. She's selling it everything. Right. I was going to say so, but the kitchen sink, but including the kitchen sink. Including it, right. So here's what she said. Here's what Allison said about Chrissy. Like, what Chrissy Teigen has done is so crazy to me. She has a successful cookbook, and then it was like, boom, line at Target. Boom, now she has an Instagram page that has over a million followers where it's just like people running a content farm for her. That horrifies me, and it's not something I would ever want to do. I don't aspire to that. But, like, who's laughing now? Because she's making a ton of fucking money. Yeah, and also, who is she, a Nobel Prize winner? No, she's a celebrity. Every celebrity in the world has, like, a brand extension in Target. Like, that's what you do when you're a celebrity. She's a freaking model. Right. Well, that's that was the full quote, right? So, okay. so it's not great. I mean, but it turns out that Chrissy Teigen had signed on to be the executive producer of a TV show that Allison Roman <laughs> was going to star in. So I have to assume that Allison Ruh-roh. Roman was unaware <laughs> that she had said that. You know, why would she say that if she knew that? So, um, so Chrissy was like not happy about this. And she said on Twitter that it really hurt her feelings because she always admired Allison and bought her cookbooks and supported her on social media. And um, I don't know, the whole thing just felt like a huge no, but these two women both have cookbooks that live side by side on many people's kitchen shelves. They both they seem very be, cool. They should be sisters in in. Battle. And sauces. Like, I don't know. So- Sisters in sauce. <laughs> right? Sisters in okay. sauce. Nope. So- can, I, can I nope that? Just, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of ins and outs. And I know we're going to, no. like, I mean, the, the main criticism was that she was calling out two Asian women, and which obviously is not a good look. And then the mob took over. But, like, I don't know. It's just, like, Chrissy... She got all the support on Twitter from people like Andy Roddick, Jose Andres, John Legend. They're all like tweeting messages of support. Allison Roman's like this nobody freelance or stuck in her apartment in Brooklyn. And Chrissy is like an international supermodel turned lifestyle brand in her huge house, Instagramming about glamping in her backyard with her EGOT husband, sexiest man alive, John Legend, and her like beautiful kids. So like Chrissy is going to be just fine. We're all going to be okay. We all need to fucking calm down down and chill out right like yeah and allison roman needs to yes okay allison roman needs some media training but like my oh, this is, <laughs> let me just the go answer up. media training <laughs> so but like my biggest nope goes to this whole segment of people who are arguing that women are somehow like duty bound to raise each other up and not tear each other down i think that's idiotic too like why <laughs> can't women be cunty sometimes why do, like <laughs> Especially now. <laughs> now more than ever. <laughs> like, just be an asshole. I don't know. Like, what? Like... Okay. Okay. So they are not sisters in sauce, then, you're saying? No, they, a... they did wind up um, mending fences, which is fabulous. So I'm, I was really happy to see that. Okay. I feel like if so they nope can... To... Yeah. yeah, if they can do it, no, anybody can. Anybody can. <laughs> Okay, nope, nope, nope. Okay. Okay. Okay, speaking of us all rallying together in COVID, here, sisters in sauce. This is maybe my worst transition ever. 
<laughs> we need You've to rally. <laughs> we need to rally to help the Sumida Aquarium in Tokyo. More specifically, <laughs> the eels of the Sumida Aquarium in Tokyo. Okay. So it turns out that um, they're in this trouble. Aquarium, yes, there are 300 <laughs> spotted garden eels in residence at the aquarium. And they quote in a press release, as the aquarium has been closed for a long time, the animals aren't seeing any other people other than the staff, and they're beginning to forget about humans. Um, and there's a video, this was went viral, of course, and ah, it's there, you have to, you'll link to it in the show notes. It's crazy. They're like a, a, a sea, a, like a field of 300 eels, and they've all got their tails in the sand, and they're all like erect and swaying in the winds in the tides. <laughs> in the wind. <laughs> There's no wind underwater. But the, the, in the, the metaphorical currents. winds in the currents. And then you see them slowly sinking down into their sand because they're shy. They're shy eels now. <laughs> so so but just like eels in the wild interact with humans? Like what like <laughs> No, I guess they had become accustomed they become to the outgoing staff. they'd become extroverts <laughs> they're extroverts they're ex- they're ectomorphs now <laughs> and so they're rallying they're asked they're putting out a worldwide global call and they are hosting a face show festival and they are in, uh, installing tablets like iPads around the fish tank. And they're inviting people to all FaceTime in at the same time to show their faces to the eels to remind the eels what the people look like, what real humans look like, not the staff. Um, they are warning you, though, should you choose to participate, not to make loud noises because it might alarm the eels and send them back into their burrows okay. or whatever you call an eel hole. Um, so I never gave – there's a new book about eels, actually. I'm, I'm both fascinated and terrified by them. They're the scariest creature oh, of the sea Oh, they're so scary. Yes, I agree. They're the worst. They're the snakes of the sea. Yeah. And um, they're terrible. So I'm not sure I want to help them. But I don't know. This is kind of a heartwarming tale of how we can all rally together. It's like you – it's like I would never touch or meet an eel in real life. It's kind of like the friend <laughs> you would never actually meet for a drink, but they ask you for Zoom drinks, and you're like, okay, like I have like – we talked about it. I have no excuse. <laughs> so I'll do, a, I'll do a Zoom drinks with you. But this is like Zoom drinks with an eel. I have an idea, though. Remember yes. we talked about that farm – that has been um, selling access to llamas and goats that they can like zoom yeah, into for like Zoom meeting. conference calls in the in the in the Brady Bunch. Yeah. yeah. Why can't the eels be part of that? Like, why can't the eels? <laughs> I get think it would be that? hard to have a stationary camera because <laughs> <laughs> like you would need to like they need like a GoPro snapped strapped to their head. <laughs> <laughs> then it would just be from the perspective, perspective of, the eel. of an eel. But maybe it's interesting what an eel—the way the eel sees the world. It would really. Like, do they see? Do they see colors? Do they see the same colors as us? We wouldn't get that from the GoPro. What <laughs> <laughs> if we could wire it to their brain? Do eels even have brains, or are they just like automatons? No, I I don't know. I know that. Um, so. In Japan, they eat a lot of eels. There's restaurants that are just yeah, for unagi is yeah. uh, unagi, yeah. yeah. But we eat them. We don't eat them raw. We eat them like barbecued with the sauce. It's like Americanized. It's delicious, yeah. But um, are these eels just at an aquarium? Is it like an eel only aquarium? 
or is it? No, just I think a... it's the I think it's the eel exhibit in the okay. aquarium. Okay. Okay. So they're, so this is, this they're is not being then. harvested for food or anything. <laughs> no, if they were being harvested, we wouldn't need to entertain them. <laughs> it's Maybe. a humane. It's a humane way to harvest eels. Make them feel loved over FaceTime and then slaughter them. That's a great idea. Nope. Okay, nope, no. shy eels. No Just shy go eels. in your holes, literally. <laughs> go this in is, your hole. seems like a okay. waste of time. <laughs> we have come to the portion of our program. Normally, I would say we would do our yups, but no, where we're going to talk about the song Glory. <laughs> as made famous by, as originally recorded by Umberto Tazzi, and as made famous by Gloria Brannigan. Laura Brannigan. Laura Brannigan. That's right. So I went into this deep dive, and the most interesting thing about this, and Rachel, you did, I did send you this, and you did watch it, is the video. Now, these were the early days of video. This was 1979, and it was also Italy, where they were probably behind even us in the uh, craft of video making. And it is quite possibly the worst video I have ever seen. Well, and yet Lauren, it is simultaneously exactly what the nation it's, needs right it's now. Amazing. Lauren Meckling sent me a link to it and was like, this is the best thing I've seen all week. Thank you for addressing this. <laughs> and I know the bar is low, but like... <laughs> it begs. It was it amazing. Begs. Okay. Not, it's not the word. It's the most confusing video of all time. So what it is, it's Umberto sitting at a piano for a song that actually has very little piano in it. Um, <laughs> no piano at all. <laughs> no, it does. The da 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 is in piano. Okay, but, okay. Right, but he's playing far too much for the actual piano content of the song, right? He's clearly like mimicking, you know, lip syncing. He's the Milli Vanilli of piano content. Um, and uh, it's like this high school set, and it's like an Italian street scene, but like they couldn't even afford to paint the walls. It's like chipped. It really looks like it was put up in a high school auditorium. And in back of him, in his like 70s, like rhinestone outfit, is a table with like five Italian men, and I'll describe them in a minute, sitting around (laughs) drinking like bottles of Chianti with the straw bottoms. And you would think, okay, well, they're doing like an Italian street scene as the backdrop for this Italian pop song. But these five men, basically, they all look like uh, Luigi from Mario (laughs) Brothers. (laughs) Brothers, right? They've all got the mustache. Um, they kind of look halfway through my uh, Luigi and like Chef Boyardee because they're doing the like kiss the fingers. <laughs> like, Chef the, kiss. <laughs> they're wearing tank tops that have holes cut in them. <laughs> yes. And they're clearly drunk. So it goes through stages. This this video has various acts. Act one, two, three, four, five. The first, they're just lazing around drunk. Then for no reason at all, they start fighting. <laughs> they're like, but they're just picking fights with each other. They're just doing that, like, Italian chin curse. They're fighting over <laughs> Gloria. Because there's no... <laughs> no, more on that later. <laughs> then, like, a waitress comes out, and they're fighting with the waitress, <laughs> and which seems just extraneous. Like, what did the waitress do wrong? She's it just trying to take their order. It made me very uncomfortable. I know, I know. <laughs> it was very misogynistic. But then they start doing laundry. <laughs> Yes, the laundry was the most confusing. <laughs> They're drunk and fighting and like hitting the waitress, and then they all go to a like laundry line where they're hanging out their laundry to dry. And then in an amazing callback to act one, they start 
fisticuffs fighting over the laundry. All the while, there's this, like, disco king in the front with the piano singing this love song. It is the most fascinating thing I have ever seen. No, but you also was... forgot that, like, the men that are fighting are wearing, like, shower oh, right. caps. They're wearing shower caps. <laughs> <laughs> I think they were all on acid. This was the 70s. I think they were tripping, and I think they made it up 30 seconds before, and they took these men, and they're like, what should they be wearing? And they found shower caps in the back of the set, and they put them on them and said, just here, do something. And think, they, this is yeah. I think they hired a choreographer who was like on drugs that day. <laughs> it's insane. So <laughs> you would think that this train wreck of a video would have killed the song, but no. Opposite. It turned out to be an enormous, enormous hit. Um, so <laughs> here's the here's what happened. So this was uh, a top ten hit in Italy for sixteen weeks, um, and it only hit number two, but it was number one in Switzerland, in Spain. And so, of course, I went to the Wikipedia article about it, and here is the description of the lyrics. And I'm going to let you try to figure out what's going on here. Here's the, here's the description of Wikipedia. He describes his living days as misery. But when he dreams of Gloria, he says his nights are liberty. The protagonist describes Gloria as his queen imagination that comes from his fascination, not from any kind of fantasy. He further elaborates that he has always set Gloria free from him, just as he has set freedom from reality. So... My question really is, who wrote this Wikipedia article? Was it written in Italian, maybe, and translated? It had to have been. It had, Maybe it was written by Umberto Tazzi himself. Maybe it was. And we don't know what the Italian lyrics mean. It could be totally different. The song could or, be, mean something or, completely different than the like American or that version. incoherent description could be exactly right. It's, I have no it's idea. Right. <laughs> it's a mystery. So... Fast forward to 1982, when Laura Branigan decided to remake this masterpiece, um, and uh, when she first, I, I don't know how this came to her attention, she remade the song, but she called it Mario. <laughs> really? <laughs> In, uh, yes. Maybe she saw the video and was inspired by, at that Sup time, Donkey Kong. <laughs> no, there was no Super Mario. In there was Donkey Kong. So she was a big Donkey Kong fanatic. She decided to call it Mario. And um, for some reason, like, the syllables didn't work, so she called it Gloria. Um, and she described it in Wikipedia as being about a girl who's running too fast for her own steps. That okay. was not a translated from Italian. That just makes no sense. Like, that's not a thing that people say. Well, she's better at writing lyrics than she is about <laughs> explaining them. <laughs> That is true. And this song was nominated for a Grammy, and it was in the top 40 for 22 weeks. It's and a it was, great song. It's fantastic. It's yes, still and, and she kills. And she was, um, she was uh, uh, taken out of the number one position by, you want to guess what song? Um, what was it? Wham? No, they weren't until later. Uh, <laughs> she was ousted from the number one position by Melissa Manchester. No <laughs> way. She talks about you. Wow. <laughs> Friend of Grandma Annie or something like that. So that is the true untold story of Gloria. 
Oh, and I, I remembered now- how we came up with this topic. It was because yes. it was played at Trump's visit to the mask factory. <laughs> right, <so>. right, right. <laughs> Next time, play the Umberto Tazzi version and play the video on the screen at the virtual Republican National Convention. It'll be more coherent than anything that comes out of his mouth. Yes. So nope to all of this. I'm so sorry. Oh, by the way, before we do this, I am going to now play, before the up, I'm going to play uh, Umberto Tozzi's Gloria, and then I'm going to cut in a little bit of Laura Branigan's Mario slash Gloria, (laughs) so you can hear this magic for yourself. Here we go. Okay, have we had enough Gloria? We've, I think we've really <laughs> more than it, enough Gloria. Talked it to death. Yes. <laughs> okay, now is the time for our yups. These are the little rays of light, the little beacons of hope. I think I had that reversed. That got us through the week, Rachel. Why don't you start? Yeah, um, I watched this week a film called All About Eve, which is a very famous movie from 1950. Josh has been really um, watching all the Criterion Collection movies, and I just feel like there's so much good stuff that's already been made that I haven't seen that I want to revisit. And uh, Right, like why do we watch the latest mediocre Netflix bullshit that comes out, like Hulu bullshit, when there's All About Eve out there to watch? All About Eve is like uh, available on Amazon Prime for like three bucks. It um, stars Betty Davis. It runs two hours and 18 minutes long, and every minute is a delight. It's so beautifully written. It's a timeless story of ambition and aging and jealousy in Hollywood. And I just, if you haven't seen it, or even if you have, just watch it. It's, um, yeah. it's amazing. I saw it years ago, but I'll, I'll go watch it again now. My yup goes to, this is a very self-serving yup, but it goes to, um, you know, I'm uh, both of us are affiliated with a great tech accelerator where we take young companies and help them succeed called ERA, Entrepreneurs Roundtable Accelerator. And we had our demo day where normally 800 people come in person and hear you know, five minutes each from the 13 companies that we have uh, funded and helped to get where they are. And this year, of course, we had to do it virtually. And we were very, very scared about it because who knows what can happen. And it worked amazing. It, like, was, it was so fantastic. well done. I was so impressed. It was incredible. I, I watched. Right. The, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it shows. And, you know, it. Uh, we said this during the demo day that some of the best companies in the world have been founded during very difficult economic times like, uh, you know, Uber, Spotify, you know, Dropbox, they were all founded during the last recession. So um, I think a lot of the company. I'm going to give a special shout out to the companies that I worked with most closely, uh, Hazel, which is uh, adult diapers, which are, uh, they prioritize fit, form, and fashion or something like that, functionality, and uh, Mouth Off Gum, which truly eliminates uh, uh, bad breath. Science. Uh, it's like it's that based was on amazing. science. Yeah. It's based on and it dissolves in your mouth in, in two minutes. So uh shout out uh yup to uh my colleagues at uh ERA who made demo day so amazing. Um that got me through the week. Yeah, it was pretty great. It was very inspiring to see these entrepreneurs 
up there, you know. <laughs> doing what we can't do. Doing what they do. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could have done 20 years ago, but we sure ain't doing that. No. Okay, thank you. This has been a uh, – oh, by the way, if you've enjoyed this podcast, what should we do, Rachel? Um, you can rate, review, go on Zoom and call all your friends. And yeah, just Zoom bomb random meetings with eels. <laughs> <laughs> and tell them to subscribe and give us a review on podcasts and nothing less than five stars, please, because that's just not acceptable. Um, and, yeah. you know, give us feedback. You could uh, tweet at us, Rachel D at Brian Hecht or email us at This Week in Nope at gmail.com and um you know hopefully this week will be better than this last one because it's been a real shit show yeah it's not going to be any better it's going it, to be terrible it's going to get worse before it gets better but um okay we will keep going we will, well, we will we can't stop won't stop <laughs> <laughs> terrible week really fun to record this podcast thank you for listening this has been nope the podcast where we shut it down wanna be my new friend we got a lot in common we can Okay.